it's Anthony here and welcome to the Semicast. This is episode 25, our silver anniversary, something like that. I think I've got two very silver guests with me today. I've got Starly. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And I have Chris, who's returning for his second appearance. How are you? Very good, thank you. Is it silver? Was I wrong? I actually don't have no idea. <laughs> right. On this episode of the Semicast, we're going to be talking about beginnings, the beginning of all of our love affairs with things science fiction and fantasy, because uh, as I understand, we, we all read science fiction and fantasy books, we play science fiction and fantasy video games, watch science fiction and fantasy TV series, so there must be a point in your life where you came across something that had an effect on you, and we're going to try to figure out what that is. It's a... Therapy session, maybe. So, what have you guys been playing? Well, I'm still without internet at the moment, so <laughs> I've been going back playing some uh, Dragon Age Origins. Dragon Age Origins? And what led you back to Dragon Age Origins? I just It was one of those things where you just see it there and you think, it's been a very long time since I've fired that game up. And what did you start as this time? I'm going through as a... Uh, human mage. Human mage. Now they they live on that weird island, don't they? They do. Yes. They live in the tower. Yes, and in the middle of the lake. Yes. Yes. That's all. I, <laughs> that's all I remember about the mages in Dragon Age. And then bad stuff happens there. Yeah, that's the point I'm at. I have just come back to the tower. Right. And said, bad stuff is happening here. I said, hello, win. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Now, now I remember. It's been ages since I played that game. I never finished the second one. I finished the second one. But it's uh, it wasn't as good, and for that reason, it has disappeared from memory. Yeah, and I then I just didn't buy the third one. Nah, I, didn't I remember. Buy the third one either. I actually remember all three of us uh, at PAX in probably 2015. Thereabouts, maybe? yeah. Uh, lining up to play Dragon that Age: The Inquisition. Yeah, yes, yes. And Starly got a henna tattoo. A very then, bad one. And then didn't like it and went to the bathroom and rinsed it off. <laughs> it was very badly done. She was following a pattern and it just, I could tell she'd never done it before. Right. Just I actually felt sorry for her, but I wasn't happy with it at all. Somebody's sister who, so they said, we need someone to do henna tattoos. Here's a, watch a YouTube video. Probably. Probably. I wouldn't have been surprised if she had admitted that. So it was Dragon Age Inquisition or, you've, or not Dragon Age Inquisition, Dragon Age Origins or you've been playing. Uh, at this stage, yeah, base, yeah, yeah. That's basically what I've all been playing with for the last week. Wow. So, are you close to the end or no, 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 no? I've I've been getting home unfortunately late from work, so I've been, oh, only right. had a few, uh, you know, probably an hour a night. Yeah, so. I know how that feels. What about you, Starly? What have you been playing? Well, I've been mostly doing the daily challenges on Spelunky and Mini Metro. Queen of Spelunky. <laughs> I don't think I'm the queen of Spelunky. Um, but you're wearing a crown. <laughs> no, I'm not. Let's just call it a tiara. Okay. Oh, <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, I just mostly do them nowadays. Occasionally I'll play Don't Starve. Hmm. Um, I've recently started getting into the reign of giants and failing miserably. But um, Yeah, by failing miserably, you've been surviving spring, oh, sorry, autumn, winter, spring, and now you're on to summer. Yeah, but summer's the one I struggle with. Yeah. Some, I overheat very, very quickly, and then suddenly a tree would burst into flame, so there goes my entire camp. You're comparing yourself to a game, or you're comparing your performance in a game to other people who starve three days into the game and don't even know what to do, and you're surviving almost four seasons. 
Yeah, but I, I, I still haven't even figured out how to deal with the giants yet. They just kill me half the time I or I run away. I think we figured out you don't need to actually deal with them, do you? You just sort of drag them somewhere else No, and I, then just say you stay here. Yeah, well, I come across the dragonfly, I think it's called, the summer giant. Yep. And I had read that if you let it into the swamp, the tentacles will destroy it or weaken it. So I thought, well, I'll do that. So I ran into the swamp and I had my ice staff and I froze the dragonfly and I just left it there hoping I would find its loot at some point and I really don't know what happened to it. It just disappeared. So We've got uh, a storied history with reading things about don't starve and then trying to put them into practice and then not succeeding. Yeah. In our, in our don't starve stream for this very side, I seem to remember dying to the declops uh, recently. That's true. We did not do at all very well on that. No. Um, so what else? Uh, I've been playing Mini Metro. Yeah, you're getting good at Mini Met Metro. Kind of. It's, it's a bit of a balancing act. It's very difficult to actually plan all the stations. and. Um, so what is Mini Metro? Well, it's basically train routes or tram routes. Tram routes if you're in Melbourne. Yep. Um, train routes or boating routes. That... Hang on, hang on. So in Melbourne it's actually trams. Yeah, we have trams. No, 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 but in the game they refer to them as trams? They or? are trams. They have really? a little image of trams. If you actually have a look, yes, it's a little tram. Wow, because Melbourne is actually, they have real cities in the game and Melbourne is one of them. Yes, it is. I was mm. quite surprised when I found that out. Interesting. I thought somebody thought of us over Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they, they, yeah. they don't have the trams. Why would they put Sydney in? Exactly. Hey, we're the most livable world <laughs> city in the world, aren't we? Apparently we are. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure that one out, actually. But it must be the trams. It has to be the trams. It is the trams. <laughs> So how are you going with the daily challenge on Mini Metro? I fluctuate. It just depends what I manage to do, whether I have enough tunnels to get through the rivers or if I manage to spread out the train stations enough and get passengers to where they need to go. Mm. And there's also a, a music that has it behind it as well, which can cause you to get a little bit anxious as you're playing, which right. can make a mistake as well. I've noticed that. A little bit of psychological um, yeah. pressure from the music. A little bit. I've noticed right. that and I'm trying to work out if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing for the yeah. game developers. So for me, as far as me, gee, I've been playing Let It Die more on the PS4 and I'm about halfway through, but I've let it go for the past couple of nights because I think I've kind of hit my wall for trying to improve my weapons to a point where I can take on the level 20 boss. And so having to go back through levels I've already been through to get crafting materials and the grind are starting to show up. So I'm not sure how much longer I'll play Let It Die. I had planned to get to um, level 40, which is the end of the game as it was originally released, and just call it there. But I might not make it. Who knows? Didn't they just ex do an upload or something they and did. make more levels? Yep, they did. Oh. And that... That was annoying to me because <laughs> all of a sudden the end of the game is not the end of the game anymore. No. They moved, they were, they moved at, the finishing line for yes, you. Yes, my cheese has been moved. <laughs> they added uh, stuff faster than I could finish, so that's, uh, that's a problem. Uh, and I'm going to leave a couple of things, actually, because we're going to talk about those a little bit later. Uh, other than that, I jumped back onto Persona 5 and played some things there. I uh, recorded a video of Persona 5 and Let It Die and released them on the site. Uh, so if you're interested in Persona 5 or Let It Die, check out semiinformatic.com. We've got all sorts of videos, including Let It Die and Persona 5. 
So what I think we might do is jump into our next section, uh, which is an interview I did uh, with Andy and Dan from Reliefland uh, about a fundraising event they've got coming up. So uh, we'll just jump over to that interview right now. Hey, it's Anthony from Semi-Informatic here, and today I'm joined by two very special guests, Andy and Dan from Reliefland. How are you doing, guys? We are great, Anthony. Thanks for having us. That's fine. Uh, we're always happy to have people here to talk to. Um, now, you're from a, a charity, a charity event, more accurately, mm. uh, and it's a land party. Now... Yeah. It's 2017 and we still have lands. It's 2017 yeah. and you still have lands. Well, yeah. that's, well <laughs> that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. In, in 2015, ben, Ch- ben Kuchera wrote mm. an article for Polygon calling the death of the land party. Mm. But we've got RTX, we've got uh, DreamHack. Yeah, even all the people relief. bringing their stuff to PAX with yeah, like, yeah, yeah, BYO yeah. computers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what is the draw of these things? Why do they refuse to die despite high-speed internet? And Well, hang, hang on. You say high-speed internet. Hmm. Reminder that we're in Australia. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are. Like, we you are. can't just gloss over that. We are nothing if not aware of that here, having to upload uh, two and a half gig videos to YouTube yeah, every time we yeah, want to post yeah, something. Yeah. Um, no, I, I seriously think there is something special about uh, gaming in the same room as someone, and, yeah. and you just it's just impossible to replicate that um, over the internet. Uh, until we get sort of holograms where that you are, you know, sort of sitting next to someone physically, hmm. but in a digital representation, I, I just don't think it's going to happen um, to be able to do that. Like, you know, to if you, you're, you're having a, a CSGO match and you hmm. like you, you'd smash the opposition, you're standing up and like looking into their <laughs> eyes and saying, I defeated you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like there's just something special about that. Um so how did yeah. you guys get started with land parties? What was your first land party? Sure. So um, I founded Relief Lands back in 2009. Mm. Um, uh, that was fr- by far, far from my first land. Yes. Uh, though, you know, been landing since, uh, gosh, Halo One days. Mm. You know, PC. That's uh, not PC. Xbox. Yeah. Um, uh, not. Yeah, nothing before that. Um, so you know, mid mid 2000s, 2004, 2005 is probably when it kicked off for me. Um, yeah, Dan, what about you? Um, oh, not so much lands, but yeah, definitely like giving, having the first experience of like couch co-op gaming. Um, yeah, Xbox, like Halo with my brother, um, from, yeah, around the same time. But then the first land experience that I had probably was when I first came to Relief Lands Ah. around 2009, I think. That was when we started. started Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think you were. I wasn't at the very first one. Um, but yeah, around, yeah, around 2009, 2010 was mm. the first I saw that, you know, 30, 40, 50 yeah, people yeah. all in the one room playing like Halo 3. Um, there's, we played some Call of Duty back then when it was still yep. kind of when it was good. a thing, <laughs> yeah, when it was actually a good game. A bit of Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And ever since then, just absolutely hooked Yeah, and mm. I love the events so much and they're fantastic to go to. And yeah, again, like Andy said, nothing can replicate it. Yeah. So what does a typical relief land look like? Mm. So we're pretty we're pretty casual, um, you know. If you compare us to to other other lands or, or other gaming events, um, you know, we have a, a few major prizes, but uh, major competitions with prizes. But mm. uh, the vast majority of our gaming is yeah, it's super casual and just just laid back fun. So um, yeah, we'll play um, you know a few, few rounds of Age of Empires or. Um, 
maybe if we've got time, one round of, of civilization. Yeah. <laughs> if that over you know over twenty hours or something, yeah. get a lot of Rocket League, lots of Rocket um, League since yeah. the popularity of that. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the games that we see pop up are the casual ones. So mm. we we actually found Werewolf at PAX two years yeah, ago now, a, I think. A card game. Yeah, a card. A, um, hmm. Yeah, so actually a, a card yeah. game. Yeah, so even straying away from video games. Right. And yeah. for the last two years, it's dying off a bit now, but that was mm. our biggest draw of Absolutely. people playing a single game all wow. at the same time. Yeah. And that just kicked off. And it was, it's off the whole principle of just, I have this, I'm going to play it, who's in? Yeah. And it just grew and yeah. it just exploded. Exactly. Right. And that's, so, that's how most of our games work. It's, it's, you know, Dan and I have got this game, we know it, so... Who else mm. wants to play? Here's the download link or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, so free to play has been really important for us. So yeah, we, yeah it's um, yeah, it's been great. You know, games like TF2, yeah, um, super easy to, to pick up and, and get into. Um, there's a, a Counter Strike uh, clone that used to be really popular. More people have jumped on the Counter Strike. Are you talking? No, about? Urban no. Terror. Oh right, um, yeah. which is is free to play and. Um, uh, it was really, really good fun. Yeah. Um, Counter Strike's definitely taken over since then. Um, it's spiked in popularity at our our events and globally, of course. Um, yeah. And then we have we have three major competitions that we focus on, which are Counter Strike. Um, we have a, a pretty solid Age of Empires following, so yep, that's featured as well. And then we have a, a semi casual, but there's a few hardcore players of Super Smash Brothers. Oh right. Um, the ones the ones just... that bring the consoles to to help yeah. run the competition. Yeah. They, <laughs> inevitably always end up in the yeah. final four yeah but it's, we we yeah. encourage everyone to join in and, and have a go because yep. you know you never know with with a game like smash it can it can all change in an instant and mm. you know a seasoned veteran can be can be taken out yeah. by right um by a newbie you know it can happen it has happened mm. yeah um some of the yeah. great like moments we've had has been you know 15 people standing around watching this one screen and yeah. just like Everyone feeling that energy Absolutely. and feeling yeah. that, like, the tension between the players yeah. and being yeah. able to yeah. just freak out yeah. and have and amazing we, moments. We get people to commentate the Smash Brothers competition oh, really? as well. Um, but people who have no idea what Smash Brothers is. They're going for a punch. They go, oh, oh no, they, yeah, his, they fell off. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it just adds that so extra bit of comedy. It's very funny. Yeah. 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 So do, do uh, yeah. you stream any of this stuff out on Twitch, or, or is that We've, a case of Australian internet again? Or? It's it is a case of Australian internet. We have mm. done a stream uh, at our event at the start of this year. We streamed. Um, we had so many tech problems, so many stuff. issues. Yeah, like <laughs> Dan was running that, and you were pretty much in tears at once. Oh, it was just it was night before everything set up, going perfectly yeah. great. Get their day of about half an hour, an hour. Everything's going pretty good, and then. Then everything just went bad. Yeah. Software yep. crashed. There was screen tearing. There was things going wrong. There yep. was things turning themselves off. And it was just, it was rough. Um, yep. But yeah, we, we did power through. Um, we ended up having a pretty solid chunk of, mm. of good people on since we do have a lot of people that are willing to, to just jump on a couch and play with yep. in front of a camera. Um, yeah, we got some really good Rocket League going. We got some really good Overcooked yeah. going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just that was yeah. when it was working. It's it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we actually yeah. ended up getting featured on the front page of Twitch. Oh, um, which interesting. Was, which was very exciting. We can't even get featured on the front page <laughs> of Twitch. <laughs> it's about who you know. What yeah. you're not, uh, mostly not what it's you just know, just my yeah. wife and I playing Don't Starve. So that's pretty. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I think at one stage we had, uh, yeah, 150 or 200 viewers, hmm. and we ended up with about 6,000 total views yeah, which was really that's cool awesome. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so have you guys been following e3 at all is there oh, anything you're looking mate, forward to yes yeah. 
get around E3. Uh, we, were, we were chatting just before we started recording, and um, we both we both probably identify as PC gamers mm, these yeah. days, yeah. But um, we've definitely got a soft spot for for Microsoft consoles, yeah. and so I'm very keen for the One X. Yeah. Um, I actually, yeah, I've heard a few people saying like, oh, you know, it's using the same controller as the the Xbox One, and it'll play the same game. So what's the difference? But I think they're missing out on the um, the the thought process that Microsoft have gone through to get to this console that, you know, they said last E3 that this is going beyond generations. Yeah. And so what we're, what I think we'll see with the, the Xbox One series of consoles, it'll be much more like a PC where you'll have yeah. scalable graphics. So if you've got an original Xbox, sure, you might, you'll still be able to play the game, Xbox One. Um, not, not, not the original, original, Xbox. <laughs> the original Xbox one. Hooray for confusing. Names. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, then you'll be able to play the game. Sure. But it'll be, you know, 720p, mm. 30 frames a yeah, second. Yeah. And then the one X 40 K 60 yeah, frames four, a second. 4K? 4K. 4K. 40K. No, 40K. 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 Wouldn't, wouldn't 40K. Like, Hectic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many pixels can we jam in that TV? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I'm really keen for that because yeah. it, it does look like a, a totally new, um, paragram of, of um of gaming consoles yeah okay. yeah yeah a little what? bit more like iphones and and things like that where yeah it's just a yeah. in- incremental upgrade uh, the incremental upgrades yeah how about you dan one of the one of the things that i was super excited for that in in some ways flew under the radar a little bit was a sequel to ori in the blind forest oh yeah mm. and i i love the original game um yeah. i love you know those side scroller platformers and the you know very very skill based and mm-hmm. the controls are so mm. tight that you know when you die it's definitely your fault yeah like super yeah. meat um, boy or something yeah like. exactly yeah. Um, do, you, do you play any uh, spelunky yes absolutely <laughs> right. how how good are you at the daily challenge in spelunky um i've done i've done a few i've i can't say i've been on the top of the leaderboard right. we'll um, try to just fill it around here have you made it to hell uh, yes, I have. Yep. I've completed beat, hell. You, okay, so you've beat Yama. Yeah, I All have. Right. I'm just measuring you against against my wife, who <laughs> probably has a thousand hours in Spelunky at this point. Yeah. And to her credit, 26 of November 2016, she was number one in the in the wow. daily challenge. Because we reckon all the Americans were passed out from Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely Ori, Ori, and the Will of the Wisps. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely going to follow that. Everything that comes out is yep. going to be amazing. The other thing I'm looking really forward to and I already have it pre-ordered is Shadow of War. Oh, yeah. Um, Bruce. Ah. Black, that orc. Yeah. He stole E3. It's so your, uh, it's yeah. your orc uh, relationship simulator. Yeah. Slash yeah. Third yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. So, yeah. Loved Shadow of Mordor. Mm. Played through it multiple times and yeah. have it on my computer and on my Xbox. Um, and, yeah. So, just phenomenal game. So, I'm already looking forward to it. And just the more stuff that we got shown at E3 is all... All of it's been amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good good conference, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there was, was something good. for everything. Something, something, for, something everyone. for everyone. Yeah. So you guys have, uh, you list a number of charities on your website, mm. the Lord Smith Animal Hospital, the Royal Flying Doctor Service and Canteen. Mm. What goes into choosing uh, the beneficiary of your fundraising? RNG. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and there's very little uh, that goes into it, to be honest. There's a little bit of thought. Like, like there is a little bit. The yeah. original one, how it started, was with Black Saturday. Yeah. And obviously yeah. the name Relief comes from you know, seeing a need mm. for relief in a community. Yeah. So and I guess, done a few... I guess sort of being based in Diamond Creek, you're really yeah. not that far from Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We, we had um, a number of people uh, who were impacted by the Black Saturday bushfires within our um, community. Um, my now wife, then girlfriend, was actually part of the CFA. Yep. Um, and so was was 
you know, on the front lines that day. Uh, so yeah, that was that was definitely the the crux of of founding relief plans. But right. yeah, so we try and go for the sort of humanitarian angle um, more more often than not, uh, and yeah, where there is where there are people in need. So um, yeah, our current charity that we're targeting in a couple of weeks is uh, launch housing. So they're I love it. Their their mission statement is to end homelessness. Right. And I I just love how simple that is. And having yeah. having a lot a lot more success hopefully than Bob Hawke in what was it nineteen eighty two? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're doing really lots of, lots of really practical things mm. um, to try and do that. You know, working with um, education and and um, sort of rehabilitation, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, to try and get people off the streets, and I think that's really really great. So yeah, we we figured it was you know it was winter. That's yeah. a terrible time to be on the streets. It's it's and it's particularly cold today, or it was particularly cold. Yeah, today. I think it was yeah. the coldest day of the year so far. So, mm. um, yeah, so that's sort of where that thought came into it. But um, other times we yeah. just spitball. It, uh, yeah, one of us will have heard something about you know X, like Lord Smith. Someone just we were having one of our meetings, and someone brought up, oh, you know, there's this mm. this um, animal hospital that I know does really good yeah. work, and so yeah. we yeah. just normally Andy mm. does a little bit of research into them, make sure they're. Um, Ethical, ethical yep, is big yep. for Andy. Yep. He's very good on that. Um, and yeah, making sure that they mm. they don't take a lot of money off the top yeah. is also a big thing yeah. that we real, look at. Real impact is a yeah is a not a not a lot of high high admin fee charity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you guys both being PC gamers, have you picked up anything from the Steam sale, or has that boat sailed many Steam sales ago for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was talk- I was talking to one of our ad- other admins, Josh, and uh, he he said like fifty eight items on his wish list went on sale mm. and i was like so you're gonna grab all of them right and he's like well i've got 360 games in my library and i've played yeah. about 20 of them so probably not mm. <laughs> yeah i've been tempted by a few but i've you know recently bought a playstation uh four, yeah. played through horizon zero dawn and um yeah picked up a few games on there injustice 2 has been yeah. pretty fun recently so mm. i've gone off my pc a little oh, bit yeah. in the last last month month two months um, there's been a few that I've been tempted by, but I've, yeah, yeah, I've held off. Yeah. Well, I did pretty much the same thing. And for me, it's been all let it die on the PC, which is a Suda 51 game and all of the craziness that goes along with that. Um, and y- Yakuza zero, I'm a big fan of the, oh, yeah. the, the Yakuza series. So, uh, what previously my wife and I would sit in, in this very room and play PC games. And now it's just her and I'm out playing, <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing the, PlayStation. the PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really hoping that, um, that Battlegrounds would go on sale. Oh, yeah. Um, and it didn't, and I was like, well, I really want this game anyway, yeah, so yeah, I just right. bought it. <laughs> no, and then he said, I've been, I've been sticking time into that. He said, hey, Dan, it, it didn't go on sale, but I got it, so you're going to get it, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So I've been playing lots of that recently. And how, how has that been going for oh, you? Have you, so have, have you actually won? Or we you have. Got, we, we won, like, we, the third or fourth game we played together. We had yeah. a group of four, and we won with three of us still alive. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. a... Phenomenal moment. From what I've seen on streaming, that's that's usually it's like the one person left out of the group manages yeah. to pull the win for yeah. everyone else. No, so it was good teamwork. Hiding yeah. in a house for three quarters of the game. Yeah, pays so off. It goes. It's a legitimate strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that that has been my strategy when I've been playing: is find guns, sit in house, close door, stare at door. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Oh mate, it's so stressful though. Like, mm. even yeah. if you don't see anyone just, for the whole game, it's oh, yeah. it's just somehow the whole time you're on edge, you're hot tense, and even yeah. though. You, there could be no one anywhere near you. Mm. It's 
every corner could be death. Yeah, absolutely. you get that same feeling as the original DayZ, where when you first mm. you saw somebody and you don't see people very often in their mm. game, and your hands start shaking because yeah. oh no, yeah, yeah heart's beating, <laughs> yeah. and you, so you get, yeah. that, get that adrenaline rush. Yeah. So you've been doing Relief Land for what seven to eight years now. Yeah, yeah, coming up. So what's planned for the future then? Good question. Um, lots and nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We um we're sort of in a yeah I think in the last twelve months we've been in that in that zone of being well yeah what is next like mm. um our we're very generously um hosted at our venue uh, by the local church mm-hmm. and they they actually don't charge us anything to right. to be there which is really great um shout out to St John's Diamond Creek was it was, <laughs> it, was it very difficult to get them on board for that or um, did you have to surprisingly explain? no um. No? So Dan and I actually attend the church, um, and yeah, I think they're they're just excited that there are young people in their oh, building. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there hasn't been any crossover, no like Starcraft build orders in the in the homily yeah. on Sunday. Or... Uh, actually, actually, one of the, one of the ministers there comes to the relief land, you know, every now and again, and so he'll in his sermon he'll occasionally drop a drop a gaming reference. We oh, did excellent. There was one we um, uh, someone asked a question during a service, and his response was just get good. <laughs> yeah, that was a good. Like moment. literally, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, we we're sort of working on our um, our sort of vision and and um, hmm. mission uh, statement at the moment. So that's still a work in progress. Um, we're exploring, um, you know, more more of what we were talking about before the, the digitizing, the streaming, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. At ways that we can grow, because um, ultimately our venue. It can't fit many more than we have now. Yep. So, How many people do you usually get? Um, we average sort of around 50, um, okay. low ball of 40, up to 60. Yep. Um, uh, 60 is our the number of seats that we have, but yep. then you, you sort of can add in um, maybe another 10 or 20 people who are just there to play board games, which yep. is pretty cool. Or even couch. Or even couch just couch games, games. Yeah. yep, consoles and stuff. Um, yeah, so it, we're sort of working out whether we want to to grow bigger or whether we're happy at our current size and and maybe, you know, look for other ways to grow, mm. like, like Fran- the digital franchising or, something or franchising, like. yeah, yeah. regional events, stuff like that. There has been some interest in regional events. We've had a few people in the west of Melbourne um, show some interest in that. So, right. um, that yeah, that could happen as well. But, yeah, we're still working that out. Where where do we want to go? Okay. It's, you obviously yeah. have an event coming up soon? Or? We do. So the 14th and 15th of July... Uh, we'll be, like I said, raising money for launch housing, uh, and yeah. So basically, if you're if you're in Melbourne, it'd be great to have you there. If not, you can absolutely donate online. Mm-hmm. Um, just head to facebook.com/relieflands. That's um, all your links will be there. And um, yeah, we've actually got a, a program uh, we call Play It Forward. So mm. um, if you're uh, not able to come to the event, or um, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably interested in games. But if you're not interested in games but still want to support the charity, uh, you can actually buy someone else a ticket. Um, oh, so okay. we we have a few people uh, every land, you know, approach us and say, "Look, I'd really love to come because I know it's such a great community and whatever, but I just can't afford the twenty dollars yeah. entry fee." And um, yeah, so play it forward is an opportunity for us to say, "Well, yeah, come along, absolutely." Um, you, someone's, you know, someone's coming. Someone's there. already bought you a ticket. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's a really great investment in our community if you want to do that as well. Um, yeah, or you can yep. just donate. 
I, I definitely remember being young and being technically minded and being on a very limited salary and building my yep. first computer piece by piece over six mm. months. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all your income just goes into that new yeah, graphics yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these these days, yeah. this was before graphics cards. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been really great to have you guys. Thanks for dropping by. I hope everything goes well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. See you next time. See ya. So we're back. Let's talk about the big event that's happened over the past couple of weeks in our lives. The Steam sale. (laughs) That's huge. We've got one person who doesn't usually buy video games. <laughs> and one who didn't have internet. Doesn't have internet. <laughs> and me. I bought a game. You bought a game? What did you buy? I bought Hidden Hidden People. Hidden People? What's that game about? Uh, it's kind of like Where's Wally, but in black and white. All right. I thought you were going to say it was about like pedophiles hiding in the, no. in the bushes. No. Well, they could be. There's a lot of them in there. I've been listening to you play that game. It sounds like a lot of the sound effects were just done by the programmer with a microphone in his I mouth. I think they were. They're very entertaining. Right. So when he opens the door, he goes, and things like that. Exactly. And you go, beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> so how are you going with that? I've already finished it. You finished the whole game? Yeah, it only took me about six hours. Apparently, most people got through it in about three, but I struggled finding people. Right. You just stretched, stretched the content out, so you had a longer gameplay experience. Not on purpose. Didn't you get Polybridge as well? Yeah, but I kind of hit a wall on that one. I struggle. I'm not good with engineering type things. I really should stop buying those games. I don't think Polybridge has much to do with engineering and more to do with how does this car arrive in one piece? We don't care how it gets there. Mine did a flip. It still landed safely though. And you actually pass the thing. Car's on its roof, but you pass the level. Exactly. Yeah, we can push that car back over. That's fine. And there was one that fell into the water, but it landed on a rock. So I'm pretty sure the people survived. Oh, okay. Well, you know, rocks are soft, aren't they? I think so. That's the problem with these things is that if you land in the water, that's too soft. If you land on the rock, that's not soft enough. No. <laughs> you want somewhere in between that. <laughs> Landing on a mattress, maybe. I don't think they have mattresses in Polybridge. I don't think I'd want to land on a mattress in the middle of a river. No. I'd be questionable well, how, how it got there. somebody's thrown a mattress into the river. It's, it's, it's not the Maribyrnong River, is it? You might land on other cars or mattresses or old TVs. Or old shopping trolleys. Or old shopping trolleys. How about you, Chris? What did you buy on the Steam sale? The only thing I managed to buy was uh, Dishonored 2. Now, I bought Dishonored 2 as well. Have you played it at all? Nope, because I haven't been able to download it. (laughs) So the first thing that I noticed about Dishonored 2 is that the main character is still voiced by Stephen Russell, who played Garrett in Thief, except for the latest one, where they got a much younger actor, as is their want. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and you sort of... It starts out and you get a bit of backstory and then something real bad happens and you choose if you want to play as Corvo, who you played with in the first in, game. In the first game, yeah. Uh, or Emily, who is his, I guess, kind of daughter. It's heavily implied that Corvo was in a relationship with the Queen and so he's her father. As long as I can go through it in stealth mode, the main thing. Yeah, so I don't know how much I want to spoil of the of the game for you, but... It's sort of more about assass- well, it is, but you can go through it in regular mode as well. And they actually have a um, they've moved the non-lethal takedowns into regular combat now as well. So you can uh, do a parry, which uh, allows you to grab the person, and you can then just choke them out, kind of Sam Fisher style. So if you get caught in combat, it's no no longer just reloading your save and. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um. Or if you're like me, you accidentally stab someone because you can't remember what button does what. 
And then you either have to reload or now it's all just about stabbing people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Thief became for me in the end. Yeah. <laughs> so they give you non-lethal uh, goals for each level too. So I believe the first level there's one guy who's looking for the Queen's treasure. Uh, and so <laughs> you can either kill him or you can knock him out and lock him in the treasure vault and just take the take the key with you so that he can't he has the treasure but he can't use it. But can I take the treasure? No, no. You're trying to escape from the castle at that stage, so you you don't want to be weighted down. Besides you've got a knife and a gun, what do you need treasure for? <laughs> <laughs> to buy bigger knives and bigger guns. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Dishonored 2 was pretty good. I'm looking forward to getting back into it, but uh, I've been distracted. Because I finally bit the bullet and bought the enhanced editions of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, which is two of my favourite games of all time. And that's the end we see of you for the next... Yeah, probably 60 <laughs> hours, something like that. No, I'm actually getting through it pretty quick because I kind of already know sort of what's what's going on. They've added some... They've completely redone the user interface. So it now scales with higher resolution monitors. The graphics have been sort of prettied up as much as they can. Uh, it's almost a little bit sort of blurry in places, which is annoying, but it still looks sort of real good, and you can get it reasonably close to the to what the original looked like. So they've added, um, they have, oh, I've got to remember which character. So I told you about the wild mage they added, who's being pursued by the Thaeans. Yeah, it does sound very, uh, quite amusing. Yep. They added uh, a monk who follows Salune, and... Um, his entire <laughs> order or a branch of his order has been slaughtered by followers of Shah and he's oh. on he's on the warpath uh, as you would be yes there's a real angry blackguard sort of half orc blackguard that i i haven't delved too much into his um story because i'm playing as a lawful good cavalier so uh I, yeah. <laughs> that's hard to imagine <laughs> yeah, kind of at exact opposites of the of the same same coin uh, yeah, sort of. They did some annoying things, like they put outlines around the characters, make the graphics look a little bit uh, different. But you can turn all that off, so I did. And it's a real zoomed out when you start, because I, I guess they can now because computer monitors are so much bigger. But you just zoom it back in. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm probably about five or six hours into that. I kind of fell into my regular party of Minsk and Dinah here and Khalid and Jahira, and I thought, no, I'm I'm going to do something different this time. So. I went through a whole stack of companions. I got um, Montarin, the halfling fighter thief who talks about murdering you in your sleep all the time, <laughs> and his friend Zar, the the wizard who has seen dragon with feet like rabbits. Oh, tell me you've got the wild mage. Uh, I do. I do have the wild mage in my party. Um, she, I, she was in Beragost and being pursued by Thay and wizards and. Um, they they cornered her and her wild magic went off and one of the wizards just blinked out of existence at that point because of something that she did. <laughs> uh, and we, we beat the rest and then she wanted to join me but I said no and she got real mad at me. I thought, well, fine, screw you. But she was still waiting at, at the inn when I went to, to when I decided that I wanted different party members. So I picked her up. Uh, I've picked up the monk and now I've picked up Minsk and I'm going to rescue Dinah here just for the... Um, just for the experience, and then I'm going to drop Minsk and Diner here, and I'm trying to figure out who do I fill out the last two uh, roles in my party with. So I've got a Cavalier, a Monk, uh, a Wild Mage, and I've got Im Imowen as well. Um, Imowen will probably remain a fixture of the party. 
Well, isn't she, isn't she part of the story here somewhere? She becomes part of the story in the second game, but you can drop her in the first game. and I mean, you can probably yeah. even drop her in the in the second game after a certain point. So there's Branwen, the, um, the cleric, true neutral cleric that's been turned to stone in the circus in Nashville. Uh, I'm considering her. I don't have a cleric yet. But yeah, there, there's a lot of companions, and I'm just trying to find that right party mix or just doing something dumb like saying we're filling this party with paladins <laughs> <laughs> uh, that actually would work with you being a cavalier yeah <clears throat> I, I am resistant to charm and sleep and things like that it's fantastic what race are you uh well i am a human now now that this is this has got me i didn't pay too much attention to the kit screen when i clicked yes but i remember saying i was resistant to charm as a cavalier but i couldn't use ranged weapons so I'm just rocking a sword at the moment, I think. You can still have a horse and a lance, though. Yeah, well, there's no horses in Baldur's Gate, but um, we'll see about lances, I'm not sure. So, yeah, I picked up those two. And then uh, Starly, I believe, we picked up and played Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Yeah, that was different. S- strange? Yeah, yeah. How would you describe Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time? Cartoons for adults. <laughs> well, that... that that actually kind of makes it sound a little bit more sexy than... Uh... Oh, it's not. <laughs> so Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time is a game where uh, they have harnessed the energy of love in the future, but that opened a portal to hate, and hate has blown up the love space station that's beaming out love beams everywhere, and you contain you have this little spaceship and you have to go around and collect all these bunny people um, in order to seal the... the the portal that was ripped open. We haven't gone that far into it no. yet, I don't think. But the the deal is is that there's probably six or so stations on the little spaceship that you've got, uh, and you can only control one at a time, and there's only two to four of you. So then the guns only shoot in certain directions, so you've got to be constantly jumping off guns and running to other guns or running to the engine if you want to steer or... And making sure you're not hitting the walls as well. Yeah, yeah. If you're driving, don't, don't, don't hit the walls. I, yeah, Starly hits the walls a lot less than I do. Uh, she's very careful. Yeah, but you were the you were playing at one player when you you kept doing that. Yeah. Whereas one person can focus on driving, one person can focus on shooting. Yeah, yeah. But still, I was not as careful as you. So I think we did the first two or three levels in that, didn't we? About that, yeah. We rescued a lot of bunnies, and you were always very annoyed when we got to the end of the level and we missed a, missed a bunny. You wanted to go back and... Well, I kind of figured there has to be some kind of achievement for getting all of them there, somewhere. Probably, yes. That, that that sounds like a video game to me. Well, yeah, so I always kind of bummed that I have to go back and redo the level. Yeah, well, I guess that's part of the game, is that once you know the level, you go back and you're a little bit wiser and... But I don't like redoing things. Except, except you play the Splunky Daily Challenge every day. But that changes every day. <laughs> okay, fair Not enough. the same levels. Well, actually it kind of is, but they change positions all the time. So Yes, randomly generated is the word you're looking for. Yes. But with enough uh, the same so that you can get better at the game. Yes. Uh, and the other one I got was Battle Block Theatre, which is from the people who did Castle Crashes and Alien Hominid, if anyone remembers Alien Hominid out there. Nope. Right. Um, so Battle Block Theatre is kind of like a 2D, I guess, platformer, but you, it, there's like a theatre and you're performing in front of a audience of cats. And the story is, is that you're friends with this guy called Hattie, who has a hat, 
and he has a boat and you go for a cruise and then there's like a big storm and you get washed up on this uh, island and there's these cats that kidnap you and they force Hattie to wear this hat and then he runs this thing called Battle Block Theatre. Sounds like a really weird dream. Yeah, yeah. This, this is from the Castle Crashers people, so... Maybe they dreamed it up. Possibly. <laughs> I think they were on something at the time. All that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've done probably about five or six levels in that, and it's it's not bad. It's it's a little bit of fun. The levels are smartly designed, and there's enough in there to get you to go back and play more and more. Have you dreamed about cats yet? No, I haven't dreamed about cats yet. I don't actually. I don't think I've ever dreamed about cats. When I was a kid, I used to dream about spiders, and that was that was horrifying. I'll I can understand that. Yeah, I don't like them when I'm awake. I had a recurring dream where there was a tree outside my bedroom that was just full of spiders, like all these different types of spiders. And there was one spider that would crawl inside people's ears and they would go to, go to sleep after that. Spiders? No, no, the people. Oh. And yeah. No. Lovely. I had, I had a dream about gnomes. <laughs> gnomes? They were chasing, yeah, gnomes. Like little, you know, waist-coasted bearded ones in the garden. Like what, garden gnomes? Yes. Were they, were they dressed in football costumes? No. Like, no. No, they were chasing me through the forest, and then the gnomes were chasing you through yeah, the forest. Yeah, I don't know why. What did what did they want? Well, I guess you just said you don't know why. So. I don't know why they just kept. I was in a house in the middle of. I'm probably going to have this dream again tonight now. <laughs> um, I was in the middle of the forest, and there was a house there, and I was just walking through it, and they kept following me and creeping me out. So I was trying to get away from them. I ran outside and hopped into this red Corvette. A red Corvette. There was a red Corvette, or else a red sports car of some sort. And I just hopped in the car and started to drive, but they were still chasing after me. And then for some reason, the trees were moving and they were chasing after me. And I just kept on trying to drive. And that's when I woke up in a sweat. So, yeah. So we awesome. have, so what you're saying is we have gnomes and treants. <laughs> yeah. Hence. I honestly don't know what I got all that from, but. How, how old were you when you had this dream? I think I was about nine or 10. And then believe it or not, exactly almost a decade later, I had the same dream again. Yeah, I had that was the same with the spider one for me. Is it twenty years later I had the same dream? I don't. I honestly don't know why my brain stored it. I really don't want to keep it. Yeah, no, either do I. If if my brain is like a computer and I have a limited amount of space up there, just get rid of that, and I will use that space for something else. Oh, I'm pretty sure I can use it for something else. There's a lot of things in my life I wish I could get rid of out of my brain and just use that space for something else. I don't know why I still remember my childhood phone number. If you could completely forget Harry Potter because you're a big Harry Potter fan, right? I wouldn't say... I'll say big but not nutty. Okay, how about this? If you could completely forget Supernatural, say completely forget it exists and watch it from the start again, do you think Do you think you would? Yes. So you, you just... To get that feeling of experiencing it for the first time over again. Oh, would I actually... Yeah. Because what if you, what if you didn't react to it the same way? What if it was... Uh, a mix of the show and the circumstances in your life at the time and the environment in which you watched it. You've, I honestly don't know how to answer now. Don't know how to answer? No. I, I think that question is designed so that you don't know how to answer. Because I've often thought about what if I, like some of the best video games of all time, what if I could delete them from my brain and play them again? Should I do it? And I always jump between, yeah, they're, they're the best video games of all time for a reason, but then I think, no, it was a function of who I was at the time and you know, what my life experiences were and the environment I was in. One of the, I don't know, it's a weird thing I do now. I've recently started taking to watching 
people's reactions to Supernatural no, on reaction YouTube. Videos. Reaction videos, yeah. yes. You're, you're now trying to vicariously live through others or vicariously Yeah, well, others. watching people who have watched the show for the first time, seeing them react is kind of like when I first watched it. You get, I get the enjoyment out of watching it. Yeah. And then, of course, there's some who watch it who don't react and I just say, I'm not going to follow you or subscribe. So right. they have to have good reactions. So do they have to overreact, though? That's the thing I no. always see is these people seem to be overreacting. They're jumping around on the couch and... No, no, well, no they don't. No, well, they don't overreact. Do. Well, if they overreact, I don't watch them. I'll follow right. them. There's only, I think, two people I kind of watch on YouTube and that's fine. Okay. How about you, Chris? Any spider dreams? <laughs> any gnomes? <laughs> no, I seem to stay away from spider dreams and gnome dreams. <laughs> Oh dear. So that kind of ties in neatly to what we're going to talk about today. Is like, so we're all fairly geeky people. Is that we have um, sitting across from me, my friend Chris, who who can probably tell you about the pantheon of gods from uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realm setting off the top of his head. I wouldn't go that far. He, he, but knows, hey. he knows who Salune and Shar and Sayahin Moonbo are. That sounds like Sailor Moon. Well, he knows about that too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong friend. <laughs> that might be Randall. Randall, if you're listening out there, we love you. <laughs> and Starley, who uh, has read all the Harry Potter books, has devoured Eddings and Feist and all these other sort of fantasy style authors. So one thing I focus on is how did it all start for me? And it's sort of easy to say, I saw Star Wars, I saw this, I saw that, but that's kind of like popular culture. Like that's, everybody gets that, but not, but then these people don't pursue it any further. And I remember, like, this is a thing that I always want to know how it happened for other people because I have a crystal clear uh, memory of going to the Eltham Library when I was like five years old. And this was when it was in the depressing brown sort of, uh, council building and not the trendy mud brick sort of Eltham hippy dippy building that it's in now. Uh, and they had like the area for kids and the area for young adults. And they, so they had magazines and sort of in the sort of magazine area, the, and I don't, don't know if my life had been different if this hadn't have happened, but the magazine that was on top of the pile was White Dwarf, which is Games Workshop's magazine that's designed to sell miniatures. Uh, and it had the complete opposite effect on me. I didn't want to buy miniatures, but I really liked all of the artwork in it. Um, so I would look at it, and then I'd flip through it and just look at all look at all the pictures. I didn't read anything, but then I would get to the back where there were ads, and there'd be ads for like Dungeons and Dragons and things like that, and ads for video games. And because in those days, because of the Apple IIe uh, and the Commodore sixty four not having real good graphics, the ads for video games would be like these tiny little postage stamp screenshots. But in the back, they would have like a huge sort of painted thing like a like Jerry Elmore art or stuff like that. And so that's what kind of got me into science fiction and fantasy is seeing that White Dwarf magazine in Eltham Library. And from then on, it was walking past game, the game shop in Doncaster with my parents and seeing that they sold Dungeons and Dragons in there and then buying the, the basic rules and then sort of it just all snow, getting Dungeons and Dragons taken off me when I was at primary school because I went to a Catholic primary school. That's sort of how it how it happened for me, and I was interested interested into how it happened for other people. How about you, yeah. Chris? I suppose the interest really started with. I suppose I could blame my older sister because she was actually into uh, reading science fiction, fantasy, 
And funnily enough, I don't know, I'm showing my age here, but... We're all the, old is fine. <laughs> on the ABC, uh, as I was growing up, there was the Banana Splits. Oh, yes. And following the Banana Splits was Doctor Who. Yes. No, I remember that. And Oh, well, actually, I don't remember the Banana Splits. That's a little bit sort of before my time, but... Yeah, but uh, I grew up with um, Tom Baker hmm. as Doctor Who, and I used to always watch that with um, with my sister, and I eventually managed to start reading some of um, some of the novels that she was reading, which I can't remember back at the time, but uh, that eventually led to reading Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and uh, yeah, pretty much hooked after that. Yeah, no, I I think I read Lord of the Rings when I was like ten, and I couldn't tell you how old I was. Honestly, I remember getting them out of the library one at a time and probably having to renew them a bunch of times because I was ten. <laughs> And I remember skipping the songs and the Lord of the Rings and the poems and everything. <laughs> and then trying to get into the like family trees and histories at the back of each one. This is really dense. I'm, I'm 10. <laughs> I can't deal with this. Yeah, well, there was that. I mean, and, and also reading The Hobbit, yeah. that sort of stuff. That was, you know, that whole sort of thing was that just sort of set the mind in, in motion onto that whole side of things and, you know, and to tell you the truth, I didn't actually play D&D until I got to uni. Really? Oh, so okay. it was a bunch of uni friends that introduced me to D&D. Wow. So you know nothing in high school or anything like that? No, no. Growing up in the country, there was nothing. Right. It, it was, you were either, uh, well, growing up where I grew up, you were either into surfing, um, looking after cars or sports. Yeah. So I fell into the sports genre. <laughs> So growing up in rural Vic Victoria. Pretty much, yeah. And it would have been a similar story for you, Starley, growing up in rural Victoria that... I wasn't into cars. No. My brothers were. But you, but there were certain things that everybody in town was was into because it's such a small population. It was like 872, I think, when I left. Yep. Um, Sorry, 872,000 or 872 people? People. Right, Okay. <laughs> So that's a little bit smaller than where I was. <laughs> Just a tad. I mean, I'm pretty sure it only grew about, about 100 by the time I noticed the population sign at the entrance to the town, if you will. Right. Um, my brothers were into cars and into football. We didn't have, we weren't near the beach, so that didn't help. We had yeah. a dam, though. We went yabbying. That was fun. Oh, yabbying's always fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what were the women or, and, and the girls into then? I wanted to do karate, but my mum made me do ballet. Right, so ballet was what, what, what? That that was a big thing where you grew up, or it was a big thing because when the teacher came to town to teach ballet, everybody signed up all their daughters. Ah, right. So that was a big thing for the town, and that wasn't you know the normal things like the 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 Easter parade down the main street and being dressed up as costumes and stuff and right having to do model work and all that of the local artists who make costumes and dresses and such. It was a very rural town. Yeah. So how did you come across science fiction and fantasy then if you, it was such a rural town? I have actually been struggling trying to remember how. I do remember, I think what was the first book I read was The Last Starfighter. Yep. I can't remember who wrote it. I was terrified of that movie. Well, I was terrified of a specific part of the movie of that book. I didn't like the movie. So there's a part where the guy who is the last starfighter, I can't remember his name, 
Um, but he gets kidnapped by Killian, the guy who is the recruiter for the, the I can't remember, is it the Kodan defense? I really don't remember that much about yeah. it. Anyway, but so he's not missed. They leave uh, a shape changer. That I remember. And um, so his mother comes in to wake him up um, and it's like there's something under the sheets and she leaves and it pulls the blankets back and it hasn't finished changing into him yet. And it looks kind of like this sort of pale thing and its temples are like throbbing and it's got big eyes and it's breathing raggedly and that that just freaked me out as a kid. Every time, like we would really like that movie and I really liked it, I would leave the room when that part <laughs> came on. No, I just remember reading the book because... I think I don't even know where I got the book from. It could have been one of my brothers. It could have been a book sale. It could have been who knows where. Yeah. I just remember being really proud of reading it because to me it was a big grown-up book. It was very thick mm. at the time and I was on a road trip and just being really happy I managed to finish it while we were driving. My brother and I, our first big grown-up book was Stephen King's Skeleton Crew. And I don't remember which one it was. It was either me or my brother, but get it out of the library, Eltham Library again. And one of us read it and then said to the other one, you, you you, have to read this because like the stuff we'd been reading reading beforehand, like sort of Dragonlance books and things like that, it sort of wasn't really adult compared to this one. Yeah. Mine was really? Desperation. Right. <laughs> it was also, also the last for a while too of Stephen King's book. Right. What about you, Chris? What about, oh, I guess you uh, got most of those off your sister, didn't you? Yeah, look, you know, most of the books I've read would be, Along the lines of Tolkien or Eddings, mm. those sort of things. So, yeah, <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> I actually didn't read Lord of the Rings until the movie came out. Oh, okay. Or The Fellowship of the Ring came out. I know that. And? Um... Oh, my friend made me. Before we had to go see the movie, she said, I have to read the book. And you were disappointed with the movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed the movie. I, want I really Fendel. did. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vicky Mortensen. Right. <laughs> yeah, give me Aragon. <laughs> Chris Chris was adamant at the time that the movie came out that they had cut one of his favourite characters out of the book. But, oh, look, Glorfindel was just only a really a bit part in the book, but still. <laughs> he he features more prominently in the Silmarillion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting in a way that we all actually read. Like, it's apparently very difficult to get young boys to read, and it's... It's hard, but not as hard to get young girls to read. I think it just depends on the story. And probably the person as well. And the, the author? Or do you mean the story, the person? Well, I think, no, the the person who's who's doing the reading. Some people are drawn to read. And, like, it's easy for us to generalise because we all read and we have made friends with people who read. Like, um, I was going to say before, uh, my co-host Dave, his wife, didn't actually see Star Wars until after... They started going out, uh, and that's, that was probably 20 years after Star Wars came out. <laughs> I can't um, even remember when I saw Star Wars. Hmm. So, yeah, well, because we're the type of people who like to read, we tend to surround ourselves with other people who read. I know for the longest time Dave just read autobiographies. He didn't read fiction, and I'm not sure if he reads fiction or not yet. There's a lot of people out there, though, that only read um, basically nonfiction. Mm. I see it all the time. I don't know why. Me neither. It's crazy. I just see. I just don't see the attraction at all. Uh autobiographies and things like that. You yeah. you do you do read autobiographies? One or two. 
they were quite good. And they're only about, and they're written by the people themselves. I don't like the people who write biographies about others. Yeah. It's not you, don't write it. Yeah, well, it depends. I guess if at that point you're wondering if you can. People generally read biographies that aren't autobiographies because they believe that the person who's being written about has got something to hide and they can't be trusted to tell a truthful, truthful story. So when somebody else writes an autobiography, they're they're not so worried about the how the person who's in it will appear. They're more worried about, I guess, selling books. So I read Martin Short's autobiography and it was really good, like really, yeah. really good. Did it have stuff about the the three amigos in it? Yes, it did. That was one of my favourite movies with my brother growing up as a kid. We went, we went to the cinema, uh, no, the drive-in in uh, where Northland is now to go Coburg? and see. Yeah. Uh, no, Coburg's still there, I think. But this one oh. was across the road from Northland Shopping Centre. I remember going to see, uh, sorry, we went there and we saw E.T. Mm. And my brother fell asleep before the end. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> see the end of E.T. until he was probably 10 or 11 because of that. Uh, and we went to see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And my mum, I remember her having a conversation with one of her friends on the phone. She doesn't remember this, but she had her friends going through what was in the movie to make sure that it would be okay for us to go and see. And looking back, that movie was not okay for us to go and see. Definitely not. Oh, come on. God ripped his chest, the heart out of his chest. Yeah. Yeah, and? (laughs) That freaked me out. I think it was designed to freak you out. Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole effect it was, they were after. Mm. And I, it always confused me why the guy was still alive too. Magic. Mm. I was going to say voodoo magic, but it's in Africa, so it would be thuggy magic rather Isn't than... India? Yeah, actually it was in it India, was wasn't India. it? Yes, it was. there was a Raj in there. Yes. Yeah. It's been... Actually, I think Temple of Doom is probably the Indiana Jones movie I've watched the least. Actually, no... Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. <laughs> yeah. Because I've never seen it. That may be a good thing. You don't yeah. want to ruin the franchise. No. no, I think I've seen it once. It was enough. That was enough, yeah. Did you go to the movies and see it? I did. You paid money to see it. Unfortunately. <gasps> I may have too, but I honestly don't remember doing so. Hmm. So, Starly quite heavily identifies with TV series above... Above other things. So she's into, well, Supernatural's one of them. A big one, yes. Yeah. What else? Let's let's stick to, well, Stargate. Stargate. Stargate in all of its. Uh, um, not really Stargate Universe. It wasn't, it was hard to get along with. Right. Um, I like Firefly. Yes. And the movie Serenity. Yep. Of course. Buffy. Buffy and Angel. And what about um, the other Josh Whedon series? Dollhouse? Dollhouse. Yeah. I watched that and I could see why it got cancelled after two seasons. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sorry. It had a good good storylines, but it just I couldn't see it really going anywhere. Right. I do um, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and there was some, one other one. Oh, I'm currently watching the Sarah Connor Chronicles on DVD. I'm quite liking that. That's got Lena Headley in it. It does, yes. She was in Game of Thrones. And Samuel And she was in uh, the Judge Dredd movie. The good one, not the Sylvester Stallone one. <laughs> so what is it, do you think, about sort of like these long-running TV series that, that draws you in? Probably good uh, script writing. Hmm. Probably the actors, chemistry between them. Yep. 
I like to know they actually enjoy themselves doing it and don't just upset other people on set and become divas. Well, that's that's a really interesting point. So you go to conventions and sort of meet these actors and everything and you're mm. looking for to hear stories of the things that happened on set. And I mean, these days it's probably more available than ever because it probably gets popped up on YouTube. And It's more fun in person to go and meet them and hear their own stories. Yeah. A lot of the stuff sometimes, because Supernatural's been going now for 12 seasons, going to be starting season 13 very shortly. Um, and a lot of the stories you hear over the years, quite often, I mean, they keep repeating that their fav- the least favourite episode of all was Bugs. And that was like episode eight in season one. So it was a long time ago, but they still talk about how awful it was. Why was it awful? Uh, well, they had a problem with bees. They got something like 20,000 live bees in an attic space and released them, which of course ended up being the actors being stung and all the extras. Why would you just use CG bees? <laughs> but that's the problem. They ended up using CG bees, CG bees. Because they, yeah, because they couldn't. The bees didn't show, show up on the screen. They couldn't see them. Right. They could see them reacting to them and getting stung, but they couldn't see them <laughs> on the monitors. That sounds great. I would watch that. Yeah. So they put CG in, and it was just really bad CG for the time. Oh, that that well, that was the curse of TV for a while, wasn't it? Is you didn't have a lot of money to spend, and you had to make a show quickly, like sometimes within a week. Well, they still do it in a week, but it's gotten a whole lot better now. Yeah. Well, TV on its own has sort of come into the... We've seen a lot of sort of geek series take off. You've got Game of Thrones. You've got... Uh, what what are they doing on Netflix? They've do got Daredevil and The Punisher. Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Iron Fist. What's the one with Kristen Ritter? Um, Jessica Jones. That's it. Yep. Yes. You've got The Defenders coming out soon. The yep. 100. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot more... Defiance, Chris, I guess if you want to add that in there. Another shout out to our friend Randall. Um, so, I don't know, are we seeing that, that sort of geek culture is now coming into the mainstream now? Or is it that uh, the people who were geeks when they were kids grew up and now they want more of what they had when they were kids and I guess probably a little bit more to show their kids as well, so there's a lot more demand for it? We're not showing our kids Game of Thrones. Eventually. Eventually, <laughs> when they're adults. I'd probably force them to read their books first. Oh. Actually, probably not force, but... Yeah. Hey, they'll be reading Harry Potter first, thank you very much. Mm. Well, we actually had a thing on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast where uh, Dave's son was reading Neuromancer, which is a book that I read, a William Gibson book, um, and there's a bit of sex in it. Uh, a lot of it, there's parts of it are quite graphically violent. There's a bit of drug, there's a lot of drug use in it, actually. I think, how old is Dave's son now? 10 or 11. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he said, oh, he's reading Neuromancer. I went, oh, really? But yeah, I mean, I guess there were probably some books that I read when I was that age that were probably a little bit older than what I was supposed to be reading, and I don't think it hurt me or, or anything like that. I remember the first scary movie I watched was was Jaws. And my mum sat my brother and I down on the couch and, and had us watch it because her, I think her, her thought, <laughs> you've, you've both met my mother, you know, she's like, her thought was is that if this stuff is going to be out there and, and my boys are becoming teen or getting ready to become teenagers, then they're going to be exposed to this and I'd rather their first exposure to be sort of somewhere safe. And how did that go? Uh, well, I liked it. I thought it was quite good. 
My brother absolutely loved it. <laughs> Not surprising. And has probably watched every horror movie and now works in sort of film and movie making and... Editing. Editing. Well, no, he's also a producer. He he does camera work, does everything, writes. I found out that watching Jaws just before you move from the country to a beachside property, not a good thing to get somebody to learn how to swim in the ocean. No, there's a... um. There's an event in, I think it's Florida in the US, where they screen Jaws on a big screen that's on a floating pontoon. And to watch it, you have to sit, it's in a lake, you have to sit on like a floating tire in the lake with your legs dangling into the water. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. I think I'll just stay on the the land. It's like when we went and saw Alien and Aliens at the at the Astor. Is that those those movies were scary when I saw them on TV because they like Alien came out probably before I was born or the year I was born. You know, like you see it on video, but to like up on the big screen, that movie's really scary. <laughs> like a lot scarier than when it's on TV. It's sort of kind of interesting that the format makes that much of a difference. Yeah, I think that's part of it though. That the big screen sort of brings mm. so much more out of it. Did Did you see a lot of movies in Warnable or? Yeah, look, most of the time. Well, you wouldn't really call what we had when I was like. Uh, as I was growing up, a proper movie theatre. Um, but, yeah, we saw the odd yeah. movie, um, and at that point there was a drive-in, so the drive-in was actually where I first saw Star Wars. So, um, yeah, so we yeah, saw a few, but a lot of the big movies would sort of come to Warnable for like a week and then disappear. Mm. So if you didn't see them that first week they came out, that was it. <laughs> so what was the big thing for you then? Was it books, movies, or TV? Um, a mixture of really TV and books. Yeah, I guess a book's not really going to vanish in a week, is it? No. And a TV, no. it's a long-running TV series like Doctor Who, it kind of doesn't matter if you miss one. Oh, look, yeah, Doctor Who was always sort of, I mean... Growing up in the country, and I don't know if this is the same for Starley, but growing up in the country, uh, as I was growing up, I had a choice of two TV channels. <laughs> That's all I had. I had ABC or BTV9. Um, so, and BTV9 was basically a mixture of shows from, or soapies from Channel 9 and Channel 7 in Melbourne. So, right. <laughs> I remember having Win. That probably came a bit later, didn't it? Maybe I have no idea. I just remember Win for some reason, and we didn't really have many channels, and I didn't really spend much time watching TV. I think I would have to be a book person, right? Because when you're talking about the movie theater, I was trying to remember what the first movie I can recall seeing, and I think it was Dennis the Menace with Walter Matthau, <laughs> and we had to go into Ballarat to see see it because that was the closest movie theater. Right. We didn't have a movie theater in our town. We didn't didn't have. We still don't even have traffic lights how, there. How how old were you when you went and saw that? Oh, I also don't remember. Maybe ten. I think it was right. a birthday thing because a few of my friends came with me. So. so you didn't see your first movie until you were ten years old. Well, on the big screen. And if I did see it before that, I honestly don't remember. Well, my brother and I went and saw ET. I think when I was five. Uh, I probably saw that on TV at some point. And then eventually VCRs came about and you could tape stuff off the TV. And I remember the very first video I actually bought. It was Titanic in 1997. Right. And a month later I got a present. It was a DVD player. I was not happy. I had to go buy Titanic on DVD. So, 
So there's two funny stories. Well, actually, one funny story from that. My parents went and saw Titanic at the Greensboro Cinemas, and the projector broke like three quarters of the way through the movie, and no. they were they were they were offered they were offered tickets to come back and see it, but because the movie was so long, they said Aww. no, we, don't, we can't be bothered. <laughs> How long until they found out what happened, though? I know what happens. The boat sinks in the air. <laughs> ah. The boat always sinks. Yeah. No, no. Um, I think I saw that about five times in the cinema, so it's a little bit different for me. <laughs> <laughs> we um, we probably got to have a first VCR. And I think we bought any VHS tapes, but we rented a lot because by the time we got it, um, there was already a video shop up at our local. Well, there had been one. That was a Betamax shop, and then that closed because nobody bought Betamax players. And then there was a proper video store opened, um, and my brother and I would just sit up there and look at all the horror movies that would be too scared to rent out, uh, like Critters and Extro uh, and The Exorcist and things like that. Um, and then we just would get my parents to rent like the same videos over and over again because we liked them, um, and that would be Disney's uh, Robin Hood. Like with with anamorphic animals. Playing. Oh, the the oh, so so the cartoon version. Yeah, the cartoon yeah. version. Yeah. Yes. Ah. And we probably. Hey, hey! I, I saw that at the cinemas. You saw it at the cinemas. <laughs> <laughs> we drove our parents crazy. We had them rented about thirty times. And how many times did you rent the Herbie movies? Uh, I didn't actually rent that. Well, I think I saw one or two, but we weren't really big fans of the Herbie movies. Oh, I remember watching Bingo. Was it Bingo? Bingo? The dog movie. I used to love that as a child. I don't know why it just popped in I, my head. I remember Chomps, which was kind of an off-brand no. Disney thing about a dog that was kind of like a robot dog, but it looked like a real dog. There was a movie with a robot man. I remember that. I remember Daryl, the movie about the robot kid. Maybe that. Kind of predates iRobot I by 20 years or so. Possibly. Um. Uh, the most thing I remember, the the one thing I remember about that uh, video store is that that was the first place I saw Street Fighter Two, <laughs> to bring it back ah. to video games. Um, but did you play it? Yeah, I did actually, and I remember it cost a dollar when the fish and chip shop down the road that had Double Dragon cost forty cents. <laughs> and then the other video store a little bit further up had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that cost two dollars. That's a bit of a ripoff. Well, it's a four. It was a four-player game. It was an expensive machine. It was. Oh, okay. Um, but see, yeah. No, I remember the video stores. Um, we didn't have any arcade games in that. We had did to, you? Did you have any arcade games in Warnable? We did. What did you have? Um, oh, we had quite a few go through, but they were all at the um, Ten Pin Bowling Center. Oh, okay. So you'd have to go down there, but we had, um, you know, the games you mentioned. We had uh, Double Dragon, Double Dragon, and Street Fighter. Street Fighter. We had the Mortal Kombat's come through yeah. there. Um, we had Golden Axe, Golden yeah. Axe Two, um, and we also had a lot of you know standard pinball sort of machine goes through there. Yeah. Um, a mate of mine was a huge fan of Fishtails. Fishtails. What's fishtails? Other than, than taking a, taking no. your car out on the water. <laughs> no, it was a pin, it was actually just a standard pinball machine. Right. And he was wrapped in this fishtails game. Fair enough. <laughs> what about you, Starley? When was the first time you actually saw a stand up ar- arcade machine? Oh, it would have been when I moved to the city. 
Right. I can remember going to either Time Zone or one of the, if there's another arcade group, I don't know. Time, time Zone on Flinders Street at that point, I believe. Maybe. I don't think I was that young when I first saw it. Maybe yeah. a teenager. And I think there was a Star Wars arcade game yes. because I played it. And I played it so much that I managed to defeat the get all the way through once, and I was so excited. Just, just pumped all that all that money into. Oh, it. of course, yes. Yeah. But I got so good at it that I started spending less and less money, so I was quite happy about ah, that. But you had to spend money to get that good at it. I did, yes. As is the way we, way with arcade. But it's games. always good when you can do that. Exactly, it's worth all the money you just put into it. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, tell me about. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> what I want to know is, uh, so I got into Magic the Gathering real late, like when I was in, <laughs> I was in my 20s. I want to know, like you, you played Dungeons and Dragons at university, right? Yep. And Magic the Gathering can't have come too long after that. No, it was, I was at uni when Magic the Gathering came out and... Um, one of the D and D groups I was I was part of. One of the guys mentioned that he had heard about this game, hmm. uh, this card based game, and he would like to um, give it a go. So, as a group, we sort of managed to get our hands on our first Magic the Gathering cards, uh, and the collection grew from there. And that was back in <laughs> oh. That was back in, um, I'm trying to remember the, it was. Probably 95. Yeah, it was, um, it was, I think they called them the Unlimited Series back then. Alpha Alpha and Beta. No, it was just after Alpha and Beta. We didn't have any Alpha Beta cards, but we we got the Unlimited cards. Um, A friend of mine was over the hill the day he got a Black Lotus. Hmm. to this day, I still have a Sapphire Mox. <laughs> yep. A very, very expensive card these days. So, yeah, no, it was, um, I was very annoyed because I love playing red and I wanted a ruby, but I got a Mox. <laughs> so you just got to play blue or black. Blue. blue. <laughs> yep. So was there a lot of, there seemed to be a lot of um, tension between people that played role-playing games and people that played Magic because it seemed that Magic was taking ah. over. Not back then. No, not not when I started. Um, it was all part and parcel of the one right. sort of thing. I never saw it. Uh, maybe it was because I was in the country still, um, in the rural areas. Yeah. We, you know, we were just willing to play whatever came along. Fair enough. Um, never. So, yeah. But, yeah, it wasn't just, you know, D&D. There mm. was a lot of other things happening, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we might leave it there. We've been going for about an hour. Really? Yeah. Have you enjoyed yourself? I have, yeah. We have, yes. Excellent. We might might have you on more often if we can just get some more microphones. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not at, not this late on a Thursday night. And maybe I can get the internet and I can play a few games. Yeah, possibly. Then you can talk about them. Yeah. And, I believe that's called a podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe I'll find those on the internet when I can get the internet back. <laughs> Well, this has been the Semicast. My name is Anthony and I've been joined by Starly and Chris tonight for a talk about how we got started in all things geeky. 
if you liked uh, this podcast, there's more on our website at worldwideweb.semiinformatic.com or you can download us from iTunes. If you head on over to iTunes and you like what you hear, throw us a bit of a rating. We, we always like to hear uh, from people. If you want to talk to us directly, you can send us an email. And now I can't remember the email address, but I'm pretty sure it's semicast at semiinformatic.com. That's it for this week. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. and you go beep boop beep